Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think might be underrated, underseen, or sometimes we just want to talk about them. I'm your host, Josh Hallam. With me, as always, is Alice Oliver. Uh, the film this week, Alice chose, and it is Runaway Train from 1985. So let's see what we think. So, Alice, we will get to talking about your film in just a moment, but we just mm-hmm. want to let the guys at home know that we're now over on Patreon. If you want to check us out, it's patreon.com forward slash just films and that. Uh, a few tiers over there, a couple of things you can get, uh, lots of bonus stuff, episodes a day early, extended episodes, hopefully plenty over there for people who want to hear a little bit extra uh, and contribute towards helping us and supporting us, help keep the lights on, as it were. Um, any support you can give us is massively appreciated, but thanks anyway for listening we we do appreciate it anyway that's that bit done isn't it alice um mm-hmm. runaway trains from 1985 mm. yeah it's interesting this one I think. <laughs> what because we this we have said nothing about this beforehand no, no, yeah we always I try guess. and avoid it but sometimes we might have to have a chat about i can't find it where did you find yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but this one you know there was nothing at all so what is runaway train about and why did you pick it for this podcast? Is it underrated? Is it underseen? What is it? So Runaway Train is an action thriller about an out-of-control train. So our two main characters are Manny and Buck, who are played by John Voight and Eric Roberts. They are two convicts who break out of a maximum security prison in Alaska and head to a railway switchyard where they stow away on a train. But just as it's leaving the yard, the driver has a heart attack and falls off the train, leaving it unmanned but in motion. The film then follows how these two and a train worker who was asleep at departure try to survive the situation as the train speeds out of control uh that is what is a, it is about essentially why did i pick it so i'm so interested to hear this bit <laughs> well there was a couple of things at play here you love so, trains I just, I fucking love trains, love, man. Love, I do uh, Runaways. I love snow. I love yeah. mountains. It has it all. Um, the two, two things at play here. One was I thought that it might be underseen because mm. it's one, again, that no, I never hear anyone chat about it. I've mm. never seen it on any lists. No one has ever brought it up to me. It was one of them, again, that my dad showed me when I was far too young to be watching shit like this. But you know what he's like? Here, Alice, was watch it, Alien. Here, when, Alice, watch The Shining at eight years old. What was it it's called? Like, what doing was the, to me? What was, so people who haven't heard episodes before, Alice's this dad, one. Alice's dad <laughs> recorded stuff off the telly and put, like, if he didn't know the title, he would put what's it about on it. So, for example, if you've seen the film Tremors, it was called Worms. Worms was this yeah. just called Train? 
No, so you have literally just uncovered a memory for me, Josh. Oh, go on, so go on. We had the videotape. This was called Runaway Child. I remember the label. I remember his <laughs> So it was right. It was actually oh right. God. So we had the videotape. He'd written Runaway Train on it. But then it became my mum's Coronation Street and EastEnders <laughs> tape. So we just, so we like, because my mum used to work evenings, right? Because she used to be a fitness instructor. She was, she was never in in the evening because she was out doing classes. So she was like, oh, make sure you record Coronation Street and EastEnders for me. And we started doing it on the runaway train tape. <laughs> and it's like, oh, which tape should I use the runaway train tape? And that just became the EastEnders and Coronation Street tape. Put it on going. Oh I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember this film being set in an imaginary suburb of Manchester. You've literally <laughs> just uncovered something deep for me <laughs> there, John. Just That's the crazy. Just like, sit the other way around, just log it, just just put it in the tape, being like, the budget's gone way up on this. <laughs> What's got like? I just thought Roy had a cafe, and here he is bombing it down Alaskan train lines. I know, right? I know. <laughs> so, oh my God. so under scene, what else? There's another so reason under scene, there as well. and um, so it, this was a bit of a revisit for me. Okay. So I haven't watched it since I was a child. I've barely even. I've barely even thought about it, but the the phrase "I need shoes, Manny, Manny, I need shoes" is a quote that for some reason was really popular in our household. So if does, we were um, ever, does someone say that in the film? <laughs> it wasn't. The was, the it was, I mean, you could argue that was about forty five minutes worth of dialogue in this film. So so uh, Eric. Eric Roberts' character, so Buck, when they're traversing in the snowy mountains of Alaska, <laughs> his shoes are all broken and his toes are poking out and he needs shoes. I need shoes. <laughs> we used to quote that. I was, we were kids. We'll, we'll we get were it, tiny we'll, little kids. We'll get it into what we thought in a minute. But one of our notes, and I'm going to read it verbatim, is Eric Roberts is good in this, apart from what he says about shoes for 45 minutes. Oh, my God, it's so funny. <laughs> he I know. says it it's, so it's, much. <laughs> I didn't realise how much he said it, like, but it, it's a real thing, but I guess his feet must be fucking freezing, uh, right? Yeah, fair enough, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so this, yeah, a bit of a revisit for me. Yeah. I watched it a few times when I was a child, mm. like a child, Josh. You watched like this 15-rated film, <laughs> which is um, quite violent. <laughs> it's pretty violent. And then didn't hadn't, haven't seen it again since. No. Not really thought about it that much, except for the fact that we used to go, Manny, I need shoes, I need shoes all the time. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to watch it. I wanted to know if it was any good. Like, I had to go back and see, like, like why was my dad trying to get me to watch this film sort of thing? So <laughs> I thought it was underseen, um, and I wanted to revisit it. Okay. All right. So the main reason is underseen, and you just wanted to talk about it. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, uh, let's get stuck into it then. Well... Had you seen this one before? Had, uh, Josh, no. So, no. so I hadn't I hadn't seen it before. I think I think I'd heard of it. I feel okay. like a, a mate or something might have recommended it to me or someone Ooh, might have mentioned it or I might have seen it referenced somewhere, but I've mm. ne I've definitely never seen it and I can't even be sure I've heard of it, but I might have heard okay. of it. The, the sort of the, the the concept and the title are quite sort of generic aren't they so mm -hmm. i feel like i could easily have not have heard of it but i'm not too sure so no i hadn't mm -hmm. seen it so i went into this with 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 no expectations really okay um, interesting well then i'm really interested to know josh <laughs> what you thought about this one okay well quite contrasting for me so there was there okay. was things I'd like and things I didn't. So quite okay. So 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 I've got both. I've got things to say on both points. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, overall, I quite like that it felt like a sort of precursor to the more modern high concept action films 
you know, like things like speed? Well, it was. Did you read this? It was apparently a main inspiration for speed for the film Speed. See that? See that, yes. that does that doesn't surprise me. I mean, so, so when, whenever you pick a film, until we've done the episode, <laughs> careful, careful. No, whenever you pick a film, I just don't watch it. I just think, what's the point? <laughs> just no, I just I'm just Wikipedia in all the way. I just guess what it's about. <laughs> it's like the Prime Minister gets that Zeitgeist tape. I get Abby to just boil down. <laughs> The yeah. film into 10 minutes and go, that's the beginning, middle, and end. That's sort of what it's about. Uh, that's um, all you need to know. Yeah. And it, no, so, so, so it very much felt like it. So, anyway, sorry, what I was saying was I don't read like trivia and stuff until. Mm-hmm. until we've done it so no I, I yeah. well I'm not surprised at all that it's a precursor to speed it reminded me quite mm-hmm. a lot of Jewel oh I said that, um, I wrote that down as well yeah man. I wrote um, that down as well obviously in that sort of idea of it's a thriller it's an action thriller where it's quite a simple concept but also a lot to do with like characters feeling isolated and against mm-hmm. the clock and you know that sort of thing there's definitely some well, thematic then stuff also- there also the way it's shot but then also the vehicle being such a like a yeah. prominent presence and almost yeah. a character in itself and it feeling right? like almost like, the like there's a um, almost feeling like there's an ethereal unstoppable presence that yes. isn't actually a character so exactly. a bit more it's, that's probably more so in dual because it's quite clear that there is a truck driver in the truck mm. but in this the train like you say it feels like the train's almost a baddie Mm-hmm. Like in in a mm-hmm. way, all the circumstances are, are are the baddie. There is actually a baddie as well, but but anyway. So overall, you know, there was there was lots I liked about it. It has that weird, lucid feel of sort of seventies and eighties films, where it feels that you feel a little bit disconnected and it's sort of timeless, but it's also still grim and reflective of of the time in some ways. A little bit like mm-hmm. something like Taxi Driver or you know or Jewel, mm. which is which is another. Do you know what I mean by that? It's sort of I do. Yeah. yeah. So I really enjoyed the concept and some of the tension building. Um, thought it was mm. a re- you know really good concept. It's, it's a very solid concept. It's a very simple concept. You can see why this has influenced more modern action films and thrillers and stuff Big like that. Big train go fast. Big train go fast. <laughs> um, some really good tension building in this, which I thought was heightened by the look and feel of the film, which we'll come on to in a minute. The idea is, I don't think it's solely his, but I think he wrote the script. It's, am I right in thinking it's Akira Kurosawa? He wrote it. Oh, so obviously, I... if, you, if you don't know him, he's one of like the god fathers of modern cinema mm. he like made um he made a film which is my next classic pick which i'm that's just a little hint to one of my oh, next classic ooh, picks but i'm not gonna ooh, say it yeah. but he made a lot of very very he's a japanese filmmaker made a lot of influential films which if you go back and look at them have a massive um uh, th- their influence is clear to see a little bit like we talked touched on with things like charlie chaplin and and, and other stuff like that um so anyway so the look and the feel of the film which I, which i really really enjoyed very very atmospheric Mm. There's there's oh, yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot of low rumbling music and atmospheric shots and lingering shots and slow zooms into characters reacting and stuff like that. All feels very era appropriate, which is what I meant earlier when I said it feels quite quite grim, but also mm. sort of quite lucid. It's almost like bits mm-hmm. of it feel like a bit like a weird dream. Um, yeah, I get that. In, in, in places, so I enjoyed you know. We touched on a little bit. I think we touched on it, although I doubt anyone's ever compared these two films, but I think we touched on it with Wicker Park, which is that that, that cold and that ice and that snow mm. really adds something to the look of a film, which without doing, you know, without it being much other than snow and ice, make it feel, I don't know, almost like you can feel that cold. And in this, the characters, particularly, you know, like you say, Manny and Buck spend a lot of the film 
free, basically slowly freezing. And you can really feel that coming out the screen. Like it's not a, it's not a glamorous film. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They're not the 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 actors in it. None of them are like done up to be sexy. Do you know what I mean? Not not even a little bit. Eric no. Eric Roberts gets his top off at one point, but that's before they escape from the prison. Yeah, um, yeah. and they are both naked when they're greasing themselves. And they're both up. naked. But that's you know that one down. Did you notice that bit down? Did you notice? Uh, no, what? No, nah, we talking about um, <laughs> what? Just to touch on there, what you said about Wicker Park, because that's interesting. Because I think in that episode, I said as well the snowy kind of frosty sort of landscape and the look of it works mm. equally well for romance scenes it does. and then thriller scenes, yeah. doesn't it? It really straddles those two things well. Yeah, so that's an interesting like, point it, that you it, brought it, that up. It's a really interesting canvas where you can put whatever you want on mm. it and it'll heighten, as long as you you know do it right, it'll heighten the sense that you want to get across to your audience, which I think they, they do do in this because what it does is it makes it feel even more hopeless and bleak and oh, yeah. um, isolated and sparse and, 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 and that sort of thing. So I enjoyed that. It's not often we talk about this, but I want to get into something, which is the particular highlight for me was some of the sound mixing. Um, I've got so many notes about the sound. Right. Well, in that case, I'll let you touch on them, but I want to say I, I really enjoyed the sound mixing and, and you know, little, little things were put in there almost like little hints at trains and stuff in the prison but yeah. I'll, I'll let that I'll let 100%. you I'll let you touch on that uh, the performances were good uh, as I say yeah. as I said earlier Eric Roberts, Eric Roberts is good in this um, apart from the bit where he says shoes for about 45 minutes I um, shoes baby <laughs> I need there was a, shoes there's a point where I thought oh I'm gonna kill him if he doesn't <laughs> Stop saying Manny, that. if you don't kill him, um, I'm fucking well. Do you know what? I, I don't think we've ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but the opportunity is long gone now, so I'm going to touch on it. But we were supposed to interview Eric Roberts a few years ago. Oh, what? Yeah, what so a couple fuck? of years think, ago, back uh, before you joined, myself, um, yeah. Adam, and Al were supposed to interview Eric oh Roberts. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, I can't remember what it was for, but it was for one of... It was just... It, I, can't, he was the villain in a film. I think it was something to do with a sheriff. I can't remember what it was called. I do apologise. Mm. Um, but COVID happened and it just all fell through. Oh. Yeah, so we... Because I was so... I was so, I was so desperate to ask him about The Dark Knight, even though that might have got me kicked off the interview, but I was like, I'm going to ask him about The Dark Knight. It's like my only chance. I'm going to be Why, like... what about The Dark Knight? Because he's in The Dark Knight. Right, is he? What, what, what were you going to ask him? Just, what was it like for you in The Dark what Knight? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, it was it, good. Yeah. I hadn't thought. It, I hadn't thought it through on this because I yeah, assumed. I, thought it through. I just want to bring it up. I assumed he'd go. Don't ask me about the fucking Dark Knight. I'm sick of yeah, answering questions about the Dark Knight. Um, all you interviewers, all the same. Because yeah, he also plays the master in Doctor Who as well. So I was tempted to ask him about that. But anyway, mm. thought he was really good in it. I felt like it actually really kicked in the. A lot of the film, the strength of it is carried on the dynamic between the two characters of Manny and Book. So it really mm -hmm. kicked in for me when they got on the train. Oh, yeah. And there's that almost father-son or older brother, mm. younger brother, mentor-mentee type relationship that they got between them. So so I that's... That so I really like that. That's that's pretty much it for me. I, you know, as I said, I did want to touch about the sound mixing, and I'm going to leave that to you now. So let's hear it then, Alice. So you picked it. Was it everything you dreamed of when you were a little girl when you shouldn't have been watching Runaway Train, but you did watch Runaway Train? It was even more. Like, <laughs> I it's so much better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Like I really genuinely enjoyed it for so many different reasons. Like it's not perfect and there are definite sort of places where you could tell that some of the quality was lacking a little bit. But on the most part, 
I just loved it. I thought, like, in general, like, I think you'll get what I mean when I say this, because you sort of touched on it a bit there, but I just love the way that it felt, like, the whole feel of the film. Like, it's so grim and so bleak. It's freezing cold. The landscape is hostile. The scenes in the prison make it out to just be such a damn awful place to be, with just heaps of police brutality, and there's not really any nice people in the film at all. So it's not glamorous in any way. There's no hero coming to save everyone, and there's no happy ending. And I quite like that about it. It's just not very Hollywood at all. But even even though, even though obviously our protagonists are criminals and they're not very likable people, like they say some pretty fucking rancid stuff, but you still engage with them and their story and they're so compelling. And I think the film does a great job at keeping you hooked mm. to them as characters, even though you don't necessarily like them that much. And I feel like that's a really interesting yeah, kind I'd of way to that. play it. And it could have really gone wrong. And if you, like, if you think, oh, well, these two guys are assholes, why do I give a shit? But there's something about them and something about them being in this situation and something about that story that I think it doesn't just doesn't make them out to be good to guys, does it? Not at all. It doesn't try to, no. And and I quite appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so the sound is my second point, like you touched on there. So when we're in the prison and then as they're breaking out and all that stuff when they're in the wilderness and that, so much of the diegetic sound has been designed to sound like a train. So when doors are opening and closing, there's steam coming out of a pipe at one point and there's a few riots and like a boxing match going on in the prison and that. And there's dramatic wind sounds mm. coming from outside. All of that has been designed to try and sound like a train, which I just thought was fascinating. And it was so dramatic. It's constant, isn't it? It's like a constant... Doo -doo -doo. Until you get on the train yeah. and then you're actually hearing those sounds. So I thought that was really interesting. It was quite unpleasant at times, but like it had such an impact and it was just such an interesting technique. Mm. And it reminded me of two things. One of them being the whale song that features in the heart of the sea. Yep. So obviously they use whale song yeah, to, yeah. to um, sort of compose that music. So I thought that was interesting. And the other, and I can't remember if we've spoken to you, um, if I've spoken to you about Lost before, the TV, the TV show, show but I... So I love Lost. I know it's shit, but I love it, right? But in that, because they really use an actual broken plane as part of the set, yeah. to create a lot of the music and a lot of the sounds in the show, they used that plane to make the sounds. Mm. So like they'd be knocking bits of shrapnel together or like moving bits within the mm. plane and stuff. So it reminded me a little bit about that. And then in terms of the non-diegetic sound in this film, um, I thought that a lot of the score, it was really dramatic, but it reminded me more of uh, sci-fi films of the era. Like, it, it felt a bit Blade Runnery. Yes, it does feel a bit, a bit more like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a good point. And that's not something that I thought of. It does feel quite quite like uh, quite like something like Blade Runner. I thought that was interesting. Um, so on the whole... Uh, it looks really dramatic. The whole thing looks dramatic. So from the moments in the prison to the scenes on the train and then all the external shots in between, the landscape and the weather are so ominous and then the train itself looks great as well and just so uninviting. But the first time Manny sees the train, it's like the reveal of a beautiful woman in a rom-com, right? Because it slowly moves out of the steam to reveal itself and Manny looks so utterly delighted when he sees it, like he knows that that's the train for him because obviously for Manny the train is his salvation mm. like he's just spent 
what is it? He's just spent like three years in solitary confinement welded or something Welded into insane. his cell, they specifically say, yeah. don't they? Welded Something in. horrendous like that in such a horrendous prison, in such horrendous circumstances. And he sees this train and he's like, oh my God, this is my chance to get away. And I think the way the train is framed is great as well. And what happens to the train is all very entertaining and impressive. Like we get some fantastic wide shots of it going through the snow. And then at one point it crashes through another train and this looks really dramatic. And then after that crash... I couldn't tell if a part of the train that it crashed into just gets stuck on the front of the original train or if the front of the train just gets really mangled. But either mm. way, it changes its appearance. And then it starts looking really monstrous and really threatening. Um, and then there's a moment a bit later on in the film where it crashes through this wooden gate and the whole thing just bursts apart and it just looks so dramatic. And then all the way along when they're on the train, the characters encounter these new issues that they have to overcome. And just when you think things might be calming down, a new problem rears its ugly head that needs addressing. So I feel like that the momentum chugged along quite hey, nicely hey. <laughs> little train bound by you hey. there Josh um, you should uh, choo choose your words more carefully oh very good very good <laughs> sorry um, I'll get, let's get back on track let's go, <laughs> this could go on uh, let's conduct ourselves um, so surprisingly oh. and surprisingly in amongst all this all this chaos and carnage and drama there is a little bit of comedy. Yeah. So most of the comedic happens come from... So it looks like these guys who are trying to sort of control the train, they're in like a control room sort of thing. And they're a team that's trying to figure out how to stop the train and reduce the harm that it's causing as it goes. And their interactions with one another are quite amusing because they're all so stressed out and panicking, but they take like a lot of jabs at each other and they're sort of really horrible <laughs> a lot, to a lot each of bickering, other. Isn't there? There's a lot of bickering because they're so stressed out. Like there's no manners left in this room at all. And then I like the juxtaposition between them stressing out there, getting really, really sweaty like they look awful and then to our guys in the train mm. who are basically frozen to death almost mm. yeah but yeah you're right that those little moments are what elevate it and again that's where you can see it's influenced modern blockbusters because you'll always have that you'll always have some sort of comedic even if it's just people being a bit quippy with each other it's mm. never all entirely serious and if it is it usually feels a bit too dour or a bit too cheesy to to sort of draw you in enough. But anyway, what what else? What else? So just one more thing, but I love the ending. I love that it isn't all neatly wrapped up. So you see Manny on the front of the train, which obviously we've been told is going to be intentionally derailed. And then you've got Buck and the train worker, Sarah. So, so on IMDb, it says her name's Sarah, but I don't recall hearing her name at all. Like, I feel no. like they didn't introduce themselves to each other, but she's called Sarah. That's the character's Rebecca name. Rebecca de Mornay's character, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Uh, so they're obviously back in the second carriage, but then the carriage is split. So then you've got the front carriage that goes off and the second carriage starts to slow down. Um, and you don't get... Like, there's no death notice for Manny. You don't see Buck get arrested and sent back to prison. It's kind of... It just happens. Like, I feel like in another film, you'd see, like, a fucking newspaper clipping that says, oh, man, prisoner, convict dies mm. in, you know, horrific train crash or something. Do you know what I mean? And there's none of that. Like, he just goes... He just goes off into the bleak whiteness because the snow is just horrendously coming down. And that's it. And mm. it ends. With a, and a Shakespeare like, quote. Yeah, it is, isn't it? What was... Oh, I can't remember I can't what, remember the, what quote the quote was. Is, yeah, it's from Richard III. That was III. a bit weird, it's I from, thought. From Richard III. <laughs> it was odd, though. It's very... Um, that's almost art house film, isn't it? It is in a little way, bit. The way it, is. the way it is. But, which, again, 
you know, that's Kurosawa is very influential. So you can't even say it's sort of hacky because he's sort of probably one of the guys behind all those sorts of tropes and films and stuff. So, But yeah, overall, like I was really impressed and so much more. It was so much better than I thought. Okay. Like I just wasn't expecting to feel this way about it, but I was pretty into it, you know. Okay, then let's move on to things that we perhaps uh, didn't like about the film or that we changed about the film. Alice, I feel like you might have something, though. I, I, I think you, you did like it, but you sort of eluded, you hinted, you dropped me a little hint there, you teased mm-hmm. me that there might be something, a couple of bits you didn't like. So let, let's hear and then what didn't you like? So, yes, there are just a couple of things. Neither of them are huge offenders, I would say, and, and really ruined my enjoyment of the film, but... And the bloody main characters are, some... are offenders, I'll tell you that, because they're in prison. <laughs> hey, 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 great stuff. Um, anyway, go on. Great stuff, great. This is why you're here, <laughs> listeners. Um, so some of it... So it fe- some of it feels quite low budget, mm. and I, I wonder if you know what I mean there. The budget was about 9 million, I think, 7 to 9 million, um, but like some of the script, some of the performances, especially from the more side characters and how some of the scenes were shot and some of the visual effects, like overusing the slow-mos and the zooms, all this felt like it was being impacted by a smaller budget. Mm. It was almost like, oh, we can't reshoot this. Oh, we can't get in the best actor. Oh, we can't use the best visual effects because we just don't have the money. We'll have to make and do sort of thing. That's what some of it felt mm. like. And, and you know, I, I don't know if they just were intent, you know, if they were intended decisions, if it's how they wanted the film to come across or if it was because of the budget. But I just felt like some parts of it weren't as brilliantly executed as perhaps they could have been. Do you mm. know what I mean by that? Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I know what you mean. And I wonder if it's, it's an attempt to... Because I wonder if it's an attempt to try and make an action thriller that also feels like a character to piece as well. Mm. Or a piece about, you know, what what people will do to find salvation or what people will do to get freedom, that sort of thing. So perhaps it's a little bit undecided there. Is it an action thriller or is it actually more of a piece around that? And I know what you mean. There, there are bits, and I'll come on to it in in my bit around what I didn't like. But there's some, there are some real jarring contrasts that don't feel like they quite marry up in some of the stylistic okay. choices and some of yeah. what's actually going on in the film. And I think some of it is an issue with the film. And I wonder if some of it is an issue with actually how we watch films now, because of all mm. we can do nowadays, all that can be done nowadays with stunts and CGI and and all that sort of stuff. We're a bit spoiled. Yes. So when you look yes, back at stuff are. like this, it's like you watch a Daniel Craig James Bond film and then you might look back at a Sean Connery or Roger Moore James Bond film and, and, they, and you'll hear people go, oh, isn't he brilliant? And you're like, yeah, he is, but... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees Promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What is available to him is was not available then in terms of stunts mm-hmm. and action and CGI and all that sort of stuff. So you have to find what you like about them and try and be more objective in terms of what is available at the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is probably a silly comparison, but it's like when people will try and compare a footballer from 50 years ago to a footballer now. Well, and, and, uh, and you're like, well, you know, absolutely. A, an average Premier League striker these days would probably piss all over a defender from 50 years ago because they're yeah. just so much fitter. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that. But you know what I mean? That the idea We're not talking it, about fit footballers. I know you want it. They're all so they're all so fit. Um <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? That it's that idea of trying to separate yourself from yeah, but that wasn't possible now, whereas, you know, a decent action film now could do this you know, pretty much with CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. whereas they were clearly using what was available to them. But I know what you mean. There's definitely elements yeah. of like, there's some choices with the acting as well, where you're sort of thinking, is this an, is this an action thriller blockbuster or is it a bit of a B-movie? Yes, because sometimes Eric Roberts was a, maybe a little bit too much. Well, I'll come on to yeah. that. <laughs> have you, oh, have you got... Okay, I'll just say my other thing then because there's literally only one other thing that I I had physically written down, but I'm sure we'll get into a deeper discussion about dislikes. Um, so I really don't love the fact that the main catalyst for the events of the film are that the driver of the train just so happens to have a heart attack and fall off the train. Like, it mm. felt so convenient. And I think there was potential there to come up with something perhaps just a little more sophisticated to explain how Manny and Buck got themselves into that situation. So I was just a bit like, oh, that's a bit silly, isn't it? And Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And there's and there's nothing wrong with conveniences driving the film forward. There are plenty of films. If you look at a lot of Coen Brothers films, quite often in Coen Brothers films, or other, yeah, I, no, no one comes to mind, but there are plenty of films where a completely random thing, which feels too convenient, drives the plot forward. Mm. But they deal with it in such a way of like, Oh right, like what the fuck? Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like whereas whereas in this it's like something that had to happen for them to get on the train. It couldn't mm-hmm. just be that they got on the train, took the driver hostage, and then made him stop and get off. Mm. And then they carried on. You know, I don't know. I don't know, because then I suppose that begs the question of well, then they'd be taking someone hostage, so how can you root for someone who does that? I don't know, but I completely yeah. know what you mean. It's too convenient that not only does they have a heart attack. He has a heart attack as as he's falling off the train. Sort of just fall very conveniently, just falls 
Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, all... it's like he could have, he could have had a heart attack and died, or he could have, mm-hmm. or he could have been getting off the train. I don't know. I know what you mean. Though. It's too convenient. It's just too convenient. That's that's the long and short of it, really, isn't it? Yeah, I just really noticed it in the film. Like it just sort of it stood out as a little bit of like, oh, quick, we need to make sure that the next plot point happens. Um, that was it for me, though. Really, okay. overall, I had a very pleasant experience watching this film um so what about you josh go on hit me with it what are you thinking about old eric okay so it's not it's not just eric right so there's a real Mm. issue in this film for me of a contrast and a clash between style and execution so on one hand i really liked the look and sound of the Mm. film it felt grim and gritty and a bit you know almost realistic in places as as silly as that sounds but then you contrast that with and i don't know whether this is a decision by the director or a decision by the actors but most of the prominent characters particularly the three people on the train and the prison warden are just overacting all the Mm. way through this film Mm -hmm. and i really really struggled with it now for me Uh. for me eric roberts is the best thing in this in terms of an acting point of view and i thought that maybe it's because i'm clinging on to the idea of still interviewing him i don't know no is it it's because (laughs) no it's (laughs) tell me about the dark night eric no it's, it's because i think there's something to be said for his character having a bit of wide eyed wonder about him yeah. And a bit of youthful exuberance and a bit like he, you know, he worships this guy. He worships Manny, John Voight's character. And he just wants to be liked by him. And, 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 and on the other hand, he's very naive. He's very young. And he wants to escape and go and live his life and all this. And he's very, you know, he's a mm. bit naive, wet behind the ears. He's a, he's not the brightest. Do you know what I mean? And mm. there was there was more to that where I could see where he was going with his performance. Whereas John Voight, I feel like he really, really overacts throughout this film. Mm. So because it feels quite bleak, it really contrasts with this massive performance. Mm -hmm. That there's a bit where he gives a big speech about what what Buck is going to do when he gets out of prison or when if he if he succeeds, and he's like, "You're not going to do that. You're going to do this." And it felt like one of Rocky's speeches in Rocky Balboa. Like, right. which I know you didn't like. I didn't mind them because that's what you get from a Rocky film. But I imagine what you didn't like about them is what I didn't like about this, which is it just oh, felt it yeah. felt a bit contrived, a bit over-delivered, mm-hmm. a bit cheesy. Do you know what I mean? So he gives these he gives these these massive performances, and I found myself just really disliking Manny as a character. Oh, no. Fa- well, yeah, he's, he's not super likable. And, I know, and, 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 and on one hand, I completely get what you're saying, which is they're not meant to be likable. They're meant to be desperate to escape. But I didn't want them to succeed. Right, that's a problem. Then, so, so yeah. I, I sort of, I wanted Book to succeed until there was a throwaway comment about him raping someone. Then I was a bit like, "Hang on, oh, what? No. no, wait." Yeah, he and says something, something he... rape, and he goes, "Well, it was statutory." And you're like, "Statutory rape, she's fifteen. And then he, he says to Sarah, doesn't he? Is like, "Do you want to fuck?" Or something, yeah, like, just in quite an aggressive manner, and it's a bit like, "Ah, oh, I can't." Like, I was like, I can't really root for you yeah. because you're being a dickhead. Yeah, you're, you're so up scummy and I hope if you do get away, you get arrested again. But, like, yeah. But, yeah, so that was an issue with me. But particularly with John Voight's character. John Voight's a very, very good actor. He's made lots of very good films. But in this, I just felt like whether it was the direction he was being given, whether it was the choices he was making, he was really, really sort of overcooking the pudding. 
Okay. And sort of, so so it left me a bit like finding him irritating, but in places like mm. he's he's very overly aggressive. He's very in your face. He's quite violent. And some of those things would be fine if they were done in a different way, but it's, I found I found it a little bit, almost a little bit invasive, a little bit like in my face too much. Mm. I was a, and I was a bit like, I'm not, I don't know, I just couldn't, I couldn't like him. Yeah, it's, it's tricky I mean? as well, because how on earth do you write a character like that and get your audience to engage with him and, and get your audience to feel the way that you want them to feel about the protagonist? Because the fact is... He is a very hardened criminal. Like mm. he, he's been put away like for ages, and he's just spent three years in solitary confinement. Mm. So it's like, because for me, a lot of his performance was like that of an just of a madman. Yeah. Just it was just like absolute driven chaos. Ma- that is mad, someone. Yeah. yeah, he's been locked in a room for three years. That is what you would expect him to sort of act like, sort of yeah. thing. Um. So in that regard, I could digest it perhaps a little bit easier than mm. you could uh, but yeah i did note sort of all the way through i was like these are not good guys no and there's nothing really good about them yeah so then it's like and it it didn't affect me too much because i, I just really like the film on the whole but i'm like a lot of the time you need you've got to have something redeeming about about your main man haven't you like because then and, it's like and- well why Why am I watching? Why do I care? Why do I want you to succeed? And then that leads me on to the other side of things, which is there should be more... I think you could have got around that if you had a little bit more exposition at the beginning. Or you, you have exposition, which is that he's in the cell and he's been in solitary for three years. And you mm. see a little bit where he seems to be sort of like a bit of a legend in the prison. He is, yeah. They love him, don't but they? But there's nothing to tell me why. Mm. He just is. So... Mm. That exposition at the beginning gets a little bit overtaken by sort of testosterone and bravado and men in mm. prison and boxing and we're all hard and everyone just doesn't yeah, give a and shit. Riots and, and fire riots. and oh, whereas what you yeah, could have been yeah. doing was telling me why do you give a shit if these guys get away? You yeah. know, if the if the warden is the bad guy, if he is the antagonist, then show me that he is, you know, he's treating Manny unfairly and he's treating Manny disproportionately to what he's actually done. Because Manny in it is a bank robber. It mentions that he's a bank robber. Well, if you show me that he had some sort of code where it's like no one got hurt and he was just a bit of a gobby bastard, which is why the warden didn't mm. like him, then maybe you might root for him a bit more. Mm. But instead, they decide to just go all out and go, no, it's testosterone, it's men, and they don't give a shit, do you know what I mean? And it, and it just made me go, well, I don't care then. Mm-hmm. You're clearly an aggressive, mm-hmm. violent guy, so why would I want you to escape? Mm. So so that was a problem for me. And I know we've touched on it before, we've laughed before, because I say I've got to like my characters. I don't necessarily have to you know like and love my characters, but I have to know why I'm rooting for them. Yeah. And, it, and, mm-hmm. it, and in this, I sort of just didn't. And then the overacting thing just started to bug me, particularly with John Voight's character and particularly with Rebecca De Mornay's character as well, because, and I'm not, <laughs> maybe they were going for the more realistic angle because they are absolutely hysterical for a large portion of this film and it left me feeling mm. a little bit irritated, but mm-hmm. also you would be hysterical if you were on a runaway train, so maybe I'm just picking there. But that, that's about it for me. I suppose that it's it's one point layered with a couple of other points which is it felt like Mm. some of the direction and acting choices and choices around character exposition really contrasted with that bleak style Mm. so it left me a bit sort of like not really bothered if they get away or whatever but you know that's about it for me on the dislikes 
<laughs> That's about it. Those were pretty major <laughs> things, John. It's okay. I totally understand where you're coming from. Okay, then we'll move on to talking about the critical reception. Shortly after, Alice, much like a runaway train, you're going to take us on a journey, except this one will hopefully have a stopping off point. Oh, very good, very good. I like what you did there. Yes, indeed, it is the return of Alice Down the Rabbit Hole for this segment that I'm going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So... For this edition of Alice Down the Rabbit Hole, we're going to start off talking about Rebecca de Mornay, who plays Sarah, the sleeping train worker. Rebecca was born in California in 1959 and is the daughter of Wally George, a radio and TV presenter who had a talk show that lasted 20 years where he discussed his extreme right-wing views, insulting guests and audience members who disagreed with him. After the death of her stepfather, Rebecca came to live in Suffolk here in England before heading over to Germany, where she had a bit of a music career. Upon returning to the States in the 80s, Rebecca embarked into the world of film and TV as an actor and producer, went on to star in some familiar titles such as Risky Business, Wedding Crashes and Lords of Dogtown. She was also asked to appear in a music video for a Starship song called Sarah. Now, was this due to her role in Runaway Train? Who can say? But it was the only music video she was ever in, so it's a solid maybe from us. And if you're into your seriously cheesy, quintessentially 80s music videos, then by golly, you need to set your eyes on this video, which is absolutely delightful. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. <gasps> now, there we go. Another fantastic rabbit hole. I forgot she was in Lords of Dogtown. She I is. No uh, she I did. I see that, and I was I like, "I feel like oh. she's the main character's mum." I feel, yeah, I feel like when mom, Drew came on, we mentioned what a good performance she gave, but oh, really? I yeah. can't remember, I remember because <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, let's move on to talking about the critical reception. Then, so I haven't Ooh, seen. Do. I haven't seen the critical reception. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have. So before we go into it, what would you give it? So you said underseen though. What that was the main reason was underseen. So I'm guessing you it don't. Is underseen. I'm guessing you don't think it's underrated then. I don't think it's underrated. No, it did all right. Right. It did all right. Um, I would, I would give it, you know what I think part of the problem with this for me is Josh is I think I wanted to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes me feel closer to my dad and his weird videotapes. Rog. That sounded, that sounded bad. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's weird videotapes. Tell us us about Um, your dad's weird videotapes. My dad's weird videotapes. For the tape. He's labelled the wrong thing. (laughs) For the the tape, Alice is nodding. Um. (laughs) Um, So I think I wanted to like it. So, but it means I did like it. I would easily give this a high seven. Nostalgia is such a strong motivator, isn't it? It is. It really is. is. Um, so what would you give this, Josh, and what do you think it got? If it's n- if you think it's not underrated, I pr- reckon it, we're probably looking at a seven, around mm-hmm. the sevens. I'd give it probably four or five oh, out of God. ten. Out of oh, ten. I'll be kind and say a five, because the look was 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 brilliant and there was some issue there was some yeah. redeeming things i liked about it but I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to watch it again and i do think there no. are there are <laughs> issues with it but you know that's that's the whole thing right that's the whole thing of this podcast is there's plenty of times where we don't like the other choices and, and loads of times and, loads and, of and, times. and we take we, we take it very personally sometimes um, i don't even like my own choices <laughs> <laughs> to be fair there's ones i picked up in like how oh, the fuck did i like this yeah, one shit what eight. did i do yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway so <laughs> Let's have a look then. Let's have a look. Is it underrated? Is it underseen? Let's hear the ratings. Rightio. So over on IMDb at the time of recording, it gets a 7.2. Then over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 76%. And then the critics give it 83%. So some of the reasons 
why I thought it was underseen. So I read a bit about what people had written about this film. Mm. So someone wrote uh, that it was a hit with the critics, but that it never found its audience. Mm. I saw someone else wrote that they thought it was the most underrated film of the 80s, which I thought was interesting. And it did not do very well financially. So it cost between seven and eight million mm. to make. I kept finding, like we've said before, like it's difficult to find solid numbers on things sometimes, but it was b between it's, seven it's and nine that, it's million. That, the difficult bit is finding the budget versus the box office, isn't it? That's always yeah. like to find like solid numbers. But anyway, go on, sorry. Yeah, but it made it made about seven million. Right. So if, if it is on the higher end of that budget, the nine million, then it didn't even make back its budget. Um, It just wasn't a hit. With audiences, people didn't yeah. go to see it. They didn't go to the cinema to watch it. And then from personal experience, like I said at the beginning, I don't know anyone who's seen this except me, Dad. I haven't heard anyone ever talk about it. And I never see it um, sort of brought up in, in pop culture. Or you know, like reference some, or whatever. Exactly yeah. that. Because some of the older films we do from the 80s and early 90s, you, you see some of it sometimes. You see remnants of it, especially with things like Family Guy and Simpsons yeah, and South Park, South Park and all that stuff that yeah. sort of make these references. And I haven't seen this at all. Um, and I thought that that was interesting considering that it's allegedly part of the inspiration for Speed. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I still think it's underseen. Go on, have you got the average there for me? Have you what was the score? Let's have a look. What were the scores? 7.2, yeah. 76% yeah. and 83%. That's seventy-seven. So it averages out mm. at seven point seven or seventy-seven. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, that's definitely underseen. If you think yeah. about the concept, the sort of genre and the uh, and the generic signifiers it uses, the cast as well. Um, particularly, John Voight must have been fairly big at this point. Mm. Um, I, I would, I'd say that's underseen. I mean, to not even make its budget back, you know, from what we can tell, um, I, yeah. I would say it's it's definitely underseen. Look. You, you, in my personal opinion, it's not you know it's it's not underrated, but mm -hmm. does I I think that there's definitely something you said with this film about when you watched it. Mm -hmm. I think you know mm -hmm. I watched it in 2023. You watched it whenever. Yeah, like 1993, probably. Yeah, and there's... <laughs> no, I would have been four. Probably wasn't four. <laughs> and oh, there's God. plenty of films like that where you watch them and you watch them again and you're like, either this hasn't aged very well or those effects yeah. aren't very good or nostalgia carries things so far and, and, mm. and, and I, you know, we're not about criticising other people's opinions because everything's subjective. That's the whole thing, right? But for me, it's definitely underseen and I definitely think people would like it. It wasn't particularly Michael particularly, but I think there's definitely something mm. there that people would like. There we go. Underseen. For me, appropriately rated. For you, probably a little bit overrated. So there we go. Runaway Train. Underseen. Probably appropriately rated from my point of view, but I think a bit overrated for Josh, <laughs> listeners. But there we go. Let us know what you think about Runaway Train. Have you seen it? Have you even heard of it? Probably not. Or the, um, the sequel, which is Runaway Bride. That's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. They're very, they're, it's it's a very varied franchise. The Runaway franchise. Oh yeah, yeah. Real, real dynamic they've got there. Um. Anyway, Josh. Oh, go on. I think something special is happening next week, isn't it? Well, yes, we'll touch on it more next week. But next week is our 150th episode. I think Ooh. I might be wrong. Wowzers. I, we, 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 we'll, we'll just call it. We'll that. call it. That. Maybe if it isn't even, but so you count, I assume you've counted. So I have word picked for, it. for next week. We're going to be watching and talking about Pride from 2014. Oh, Pride. Okay. Yes. How about lions? You think it's about lions? 
Is that about right? Is that the Join us next week, everyone, to talk to see whether Alice is right in the film I oh, picked. Pride is about um, lions. This is this is eagles versus, versus bloody shark Pride, all over again. Pride, <laughs> lions. You see where I'm um, going with this? No, I was oh wrong. god, <laughs> yeah, save me. In the mean, yeah. So uh, next week we're going to be talking about pride. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, films on that pod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. Search for just films on that. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Give us a follow. We're always putting stuff out there. Get in touch. Suggest a film. We'll add it to the list of suggestions list. You never know. You might get picked. You might get a shout out. Uh, we always like to hear from you, but thank you very much for your support. Alice, we're also on the television, I believe. We are indeed. Every Friday from 6pm, you can find me and Josh on the local TV network talking about all our favourite underrated and underseen films. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. That's every Friday from 6pm, me and Josh having a chat about all our favourite underrated and underseen films. Yes, lots of ways to see us, hear us, get in touch. And as ever, thank you very much for listening and for your support. It uh, it is appreciated, isn't it, Alice? It is indeed. It is indeed. And, yeah. We love you. We love you, listeners. Join us next week where we're going to be talking about Pride, which may or may not not be about lions. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.